Okay, good afternoon, good afternoon. This is a brand new podcast and a brand new YouTube video, very much brand new. It is called The After Show. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and it is called The After Show because I have another podcast called The Endurance of Labor Laws, and we are in episode, I think, 202 or 203, I forget. It's in the early 200s. And so what has come up or what has come to our attention is that there are so many topics that we need to discuss, but it's not really always appropriate, like within the news setting of that show, because my original podcast is the endurance of labor laws. And just answer to answer some questions with that, excuse me, sometimes I talk really fast. Um, in regards to the, the endurance of labor laws, that is a podcast that I initially started to discuss the, the different labor laws within the United States and how to help workers make sure to get good jobs, secure very much good employment, and how to navigate the employment world, especially if your rights are violated. So initially when I started that podcast, I had a much higher opinion of labor unions than I do now because the more research I did on labor unions and things of that nature, the more I'm very much more the private sector. It's not that I was ever against it. It's just that, you know, I've lost jobs in the past and some of them very much quite brutally. It was really horrible in some situations and none of them my fault with this. But it's just, I didn't know how to navigate unemployment. I was lied to from several employers. I was stolen from uh, fraudulently um, by several employers. And so it was very difficult to know, okay, who do I report this to? What do I do? All those things are, you know, wrong and what an employer did. But my thinking was, well, if employers in the private sector are going to act like this, then maybe maybe labor unions are the way to go for a lot of work environments and maybe they can give us more advice. Well, labor unions, they've got a whole different set of issues. So I went from being kind of a fan of labor unions to now I'm like, eh, they kind of squash the market and they drain it of talent, treasure, and inventions because labor unions do not invent um, anything. They do not invent, um, you know, like the MRI or any kind of new drugs. Like that, all that comes from the private sector. So um, anyway, I mean, I've always been a Republican capitalist, but I think sometimes when you go through hell and back, it changes you. And I noticed just from um, my life, and for those that. For those of you that know me, you you know some of the things I've gone through and maybe some things you don't know because I don't talk a a lot about um, the things that greatly upset me. And I'll put it this way. Over the years, I've learned to try and stop things from upsetting me like that. But it's one of those things that when you lose a job and unlawfully, it's it's just a shocker, even for women. (laughs) And it's just like, what in the world? And I say even for women, because a lot of people think that, you know, when a woman loses a job, oh, she can just go get something else. She's a woman. No, 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 no. Um, They think that typically, oh, it's only bad when a man loses a job. And just to answer your question, I live in an at-will state. That's probably a problem. I live in the Bible Belt, problem number two. And um, it's been very frustrating. It's been very frustrating. It's just like, you know, these people, um, a lot of them, they claim to be Christian, but they don't act like it. So I guess they're Christian when they go to church and punch their Christian time card, but I'm not impressed with that, neither is God. So um, needless to say, 
Um, I still do my other podcasts. I actually have a couple different podcasts that I do, but the first one that I started was the Endurance of Labor Laws, and then it's grown so much, and that's wonderful. We love all my listeners out there. It's great. We've been heard, and I think a little over 36 states and over 26 countries, if not over 30 countries now. I'd have to look it up, and that's just a wonderful thing to see, and plus I'm being heard in um, countries I've never heard of before, like Uzbekistan. And um, there was another one I'd never heard of. It was it was bizarre. I was like, is this real? Um, I just, I thought I knew the globe. I'm ignorant. I don't know the globe like I thought I did. I, I admit that straight up. Um, anyway, so there were so many things that we would come across when doing the original podcast, which again is the endurance of labor laws. It's kind of like, okay, we can't just leave that hanging out there. Like we've got to address some of these things. And so I thought, well, it's probably time to do a follow-up podcast um, because I noticed that some of our episodes in the Endurance of Labor Laws, I don't like them to go over an hour. I, I actually don't like them to go over 20 or 30 minutes. But sometimes we talk about things that are very detailed. And it's like, you know, I don't think it's right to just cherry pick things and just all, always keep the podcast at 20 minutes because then you're not giving the full story. So needless to say, you know, whenever I do my other podcasts, I just let it roll. And, you know, we, we talk about things and things of that nature. And I don't I don't stop it just because, oh, I'm getting I'm going over time or I'm running out of time. I stop it usually because, you know, it's a good stopping point. But what we notice is that over time, there were so many topics that were are not being discussed in the news. They're not being discussed. Well, let me say this. Shocker. St- some stuff is not being discussed in the news. Um, but um, it seems like Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, it's like they only want to talk about um, things that they can control. And I'm like, that's very much like what the Soviet Union did. <laughs> it's what communist China does. They control um, the press. And, you know, the powers of the people always has been, always will be. And FYI, if you see me moving like my eyes or my hand, it's because my laptop if I don't move the mouse or if I'm not typing, it goes dormant. So I have to make sure I move the mouse or type or something so that way the camera doesn't shut off. But that's what that is. Anyway, so we're going to discuss things that have come up in the other podcast or maybe haven't come up per se, but it's things that's like, oh, we need to talk about that. But there's a proper place and a proper setting. I kind of feel like it's almost like The Daily Show, um, but without John Stewart, without Trevor Noah, Without it being, um, you know, initially, um, you know, there for a while, I liked The Daily Show, but I kind of felt like it went off the rails. And I just, you know, The Daily Show used to be a place where you could poke fun at things and it not be so political and not be so extremely liberal or progressive. Although I do think it's always been um, slanted towards the liberal left because of John Stewart and how he thinks and how he operates. But now it's like to the extreme. It's like, you know, that just really turned me off. And I don't like, I don't like shows that are extremely Republican. Like I, what's that news story or uh, station? Is it called Newsmax? I'm trying to remember what it is, but it's like extremely conservative, like nutty. And I'm like, that does not make Republicans look good at all. And some of the stuff, I'm like, well, that's BS. Excuse my language. I'm like, some of the stuff they say, it's bizarre. But anyway, um, so 
The topics on this show, they will vary. So it's not like my other uh, broadcast or podcast where, hey, we're, gonna, we're going to be discussing, you know, Steelworkers Labor Union. I'm making this up. But it's going to vary from show to show. And if ever there's something you want to talk about or if you want to be on the show, contact us. We would love it. We do have a contact us or contact me button on all of our podcasts. I would say, like, when you go to the initial page, it has, like, a contact me and uh, you can definitely submit requests there. We love to hear from you. We love it. And then we will be creating a YouTube channel because I'm filming this, of course. And so um, I will be posting the audio on a podcast, which is sometimes what I do with my other podcasts. So I'll have a podcast and then a YouTube channel. So that way you can see, you can hear the audio and then you can you can see the video. I think it's good to have both. Um, you know, just side note for me, sometimes when I'm driving to and from work or when I'm going to see a friend or something, you know, sometimes I just go on YouTube and I look up a video that I want to hear and I just listen to it while I'm driving. So sometimes I do that because not everything that's on YouTube is in a podcast format. So that's why I do both. So that's, you know, that's why I want to make sure my listeners have, have access to anything and everything that they need in regards to the material that we discuss. So let me get, let me get a drink of water because I'm drinking some lemon water right now. I want to make sure I stay hydrated especially in the winter months. It's, it's a little nippy where I am. I am based out of Oklahoma City in the moment. So um, anyway, I say at the moment because I do plan on moving. So God bless and thank you, God of Abraham. That, that would be a beautiful thing. So here's the thing. Some of the things we're going to discuss in this episode, we're going to discuss uh, credit scores, credit bureaus, unemployment, or sorry, not unemployment, employment credit checks, and I'm going to talk about the different types of discrimination that I have experienced. And it might shock you. It might surprise you because, you know, if you're looking at, if you're looking at me and you're watching this uh, episode, this podcast or whatever on YouTube, you, you, you just already see that, you know, I'm white in terms of color, even though that's not a uh, ethnicity. <laughs> it offends me sometimes and I should be offended, but it just bugs me when people just go, oh, you're white. And I'm like, no, I'm actually a mixed race. You know, and we'll get into that in a moment, but it, it's it's kind of shocking the discrimination that um, people with lack of color, so to speak, go through on a daily basis. And um, it's not the problem with white people. And um, that's an episode that John Stewart had that was just shockingly hateful um, towards Americans and towards whites. <laughs> and it's just like, wow, you see his true colors, and I wondered if his, if his wife hit him in the head with a frying pan, if he's even still married. I mean, I think it's really weird some of the things that come out of his mouth now. But, um, you know, I look at it this way. We need to be kinder to each other. And, you know, unfortunately, whenever you're dealing with um, prejudices and discrimination, it affects everybody equally. So to say, oh, well, I'm more discriminated than you. No, you're not. It just, you know, takes place in different forms, and there's, you know, I think possibly different types of severity, but it's there. It is very much there, and so I'm, I'm going to give you some examples of what I've gone through. So the first thing I want to talk about is credit scores, and FYI, my chair has been squeaking. Um, so I'm not a big fan of credit scores, and here's why. So, like, for example, my experience with credit scores has been with having identity theft, and then when trying to apply for a really high paying job or for a good paying job, um, I found out, you know, 
because I ask these employers, like whenever they say, oh, we did not choose you for the position, I always like to ask, well, I used to, I don't anymore, because <laughs> I don't care. I just learned that a lot of them lie. A lot of them are liars. It is what it is. They go through HR, and HR just has this this stupid email template. Oh, we thank you for applying, but we found a better candidate. And it's like, okay, well, what's considered better? Like, tell me, like, what was the biggest difference between me and this other candidate? If that's actually true, they actually did hire somebody. So we'll talk about that as well. But HR people um, or those departments, they legally lie all the time. And so that's very unfortunate because, first of all, that is very immoral, unethical, and possibly illegal behavior. But they've been given permission to lie. And so the way that they have permission to lie is they basically have their emails and anything that they they submit via documentation to have it set up so that it goes through like a lawyer or something. And so they have a template that is considered legal at a federal and state level of how to properly, properly communicate with people and um, how to basically not get caught being a jerk and, you know, just covering the posterior of the employer. Because that's basically what HR offices do. Like it says human resources, but they're really not for people. So um, an example of this is credit scores. So there were several jobs I applied to, I don't know how long ago. I just wasn't getting any feedback. I wasn't, you know, it, it, was, it was odd if I heard nothing from the employer. I'm like, what is going on with this? Like, just tell me yes or no. Like, just give me closure. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a woman, but I just think it's, it's the polite thing to do to let you know, people know, oh, the, the position has been filled or um, we didn't select you. And, and because we didn't select you, here's why. And so um, I was getting turned down just repeatedly, and I was like, this is getting really old. And what was getting really old is that people were complaining in the news, or at least on like Fox News and some other stupid conservative uh, television shows, um, that, oh, people have just stopped looking for work, and they don't want to work. I'm like, no, like so many people, such as myself, were trying to find work, but we were not getting jobs. It, it was like impossible. And I'm like, how is it impossible to not get a job in America? Like we're supposed to be, you know, prosperous, abundant, you know, we're supposed to have it really good. Like how is it we're turning into a socialistic country and we're becoming like the Soviet Union where you know, like everybody's almost being turned into a peasant and all the money's up at the top and then the people at the bottom are being blamed for their, for their poverty. I mean, it's one thing if I screw up. It's one thing if I make a mistake, I screw up. Hey, I own that. I take ownership of it, whatever the case may be, But because that builds character. But here's the thing. I didn't actually do anything wrong. So I was just kind of like, what is going on with this unemployment thing? So um, actually, it was like two or three employers. Um, out of all the employers, I emailed. and I said, can you tell me why I did not get the job? I want to know. And I, there was one I said, I don't care how good or bad or ugly the reason is, I just want to be told the truth. I just would really want to know as an applicant, you know, you know, why was I not considered for this position? And so there were about two or three employers that actually wrote me back, and God bless them. Um, they were very honest with me, and they said, well, it was your credit score and your credit report. I was like, what? I, I was like, first of all, what does a credit score have to do with getting a job? Nothing. And I know there's going to be some people that disagree with me on that, but Hear me out because you're wrong. And so um, they said, well, your credit score. And they, then they said, well, there's stuff on your credit report that doesn't look good. I was like, well, what is it? So they were telling me what was on there. Uh, see, because there's another thing. A lot of employers are running your credit. They're dinging your credit. It's just it's supposedly a small point. I'm like, it's still dinging your credit. Like if you apply to like 100 employers, 
that's 100 dings on your credit via your social security number. So think about that. So it's not just a little hit. It's a big hit, okay? So think about that. Um, so they told me that there was stuff on your credit report that you know doesn't look very good. I said, well, can you tell me exactly what? Because they had not given me a copy of it. And I know there's going to be people that say, oh, well, they're supposed to be the Consumer Act, the, you know, the, the Fair Credit Act. It's bull. It's a, it's, it's a crock. I mean, all it does is um, basically reinforce the fact that people can deny you employment for something that's not your fault. <laughs> so, And now they just make you aware of why they're discriminating against you. Oh, it's your credit report. Thanks a lot. Now I'm really going to be poor because you think you're better than me and make more money than me. Thanks a lot. Must be nice to make so much money that you get to pay all of your bills. Thanks a lot. So there were so many things on my credit report. I did not even know what they were. And I, I reached out to the employer. I said, I have no idea what these are. I was like, I've never heard of this. I was like, I, I just don't know what this is. And so um, they said, well, unfortunately, we can't hire you because of these items, even if they're not true or they're not real or whatever the case may be. And you know, you need to fight them on your credit report. So then that led me down a rabbit hole, literally a rabbit hole of, of this hell that I've been going through for several years. So I found out that my identity has been stolen twice, um, once in my 20s, once in my 30s. I'm now 39. If you think I look younger, please let me know because I love using eye cream. And um, so I found out that my identity had been stolen twice, once in my 20s, once in my 30s. And there were um, companies listed on my credit report that said I owed them debt, and I did not. And I had no idea who they were. Like, literally, I just had no idea. Well, what I found out, and these companies are, are very shady. They're in, I call it the murky waters. It's like they are legit companies, but they're not legit in how they practice their business and, and what they do. So um, what some of these companies do is somehow they get a hold of your, your social security number or maybe they get a hold of one type of debt on you and they bundle it with something else and so then they make it seem worse than what it really is and so they, they, they inflate what you owe and so they add interest and all this stuff and it's like, you know, you the consumer and the citizen don't have a clue what this is and so then what these companies do, I can't remember what they're called, um, but they buy and sell debt almost like poker chips. And so they buy it for a fraction of the price. And then they give themselves permission to harass you. Because I noticed that whenever I apply for a job, and this is creepy, I noticed that whenever I apply for a job and an employer has run my credit, like they've done a credit check, dinged my number yet again, I hate it. Um, I noticed that's when I get a lot of calls, like robocalls. Um, from debt collectors that I have no idea who they are, and they don't tell me who they are, but yet they're quick to threaten and say really horrible things on the phone, and it's just like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, and they use fake phone numbers. That's another thing. We'll talk about that later. So um, basically I found out from my credit report that there are companies, that they have a racket where they can say, oh, Leslie Sullivan owes us $5,000, and I really don't. But see, here's the thing, they report it to the three credit bureaus, which is like Equifax, TransUnion, and then there's like an Experon or something like that. There's three of them. They're a joke. Those credit bureaus are shady. They are evil. They are wicked. All they do is scratch each other's back. They are corrupt. I mean, it is just, it's impossible. I shouldn't say it's impossible because with God, all things are possible. 
it's very difficult to go up against these people because they're so corrupt and so crooked. So basically, um, once a bad company reports you to these credit bureaus for a debt, it can take years to get it off of your credit report. And you know, even if you flag it as, hey, I don't owe this or is it the right amount or I don't even know what this is, here's the thing. This company, this shady company that works in the murky waters, right, what they do is they draft all these documents and they make it seem like you owe them money when you don't. And it's worse when they buy and sell your debt between other companies that are just as corrupt as them. And I'm not talking about the credit bureaus, although they are corrupt. Credit bureaus do not buy and sell debt, at least not that I'm aware of, because that would be a conflict of interest. Who knows? Maybe they do have that problem. I'd be very surprised if they ever went to jail for what they do wrong. Um, but anyway, these really shady companies, they love to target the poor and the middle class. They don't target the rich because they know that wealthy people have lawyers, attorneys. They have people that actually have teeth in their words and they can go after these bad companies. So I had to deal with all this debt that was on my credit report. And it's like, okay, how am I supposed to handle this stuff that is not true? It's a lie. And all that's being done really is the three credit bureaus, you know, they're just balancing information off of each other. And the reason why they do that is they're just trying to solidify or verify that the debt is real. And what they don't realize, or maybe they do realize, is that the more they bounce this information off of each other, the more it looks like it's real data and that it's, it's true and it's not. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So now I'm being harassed, or I often ought to get harassed by these companies that say I owe them money. I'm like, I do not. And if ever I do owe someone money, I contact um, the actual business owner or the, or the business. Of course, business owners, you can't get a hold of them. But you know, let's say, for example, um, oh, I had this happen to me. Um, I had a medical debt that I owed. I didn't know I owed it because I paid my part. The health insurance company did not pay their part. So instead of going after the insurance company, who has way more money than me at this point in time, um, instead of going after them, the debt collectors came after me. And then not only did they come after me, they reported all this crazy stuff that was not always true to the credit bureaus. And so I'm having to submit multiple narratives about this different stuff. I'm like, this is what actually happened, X, Y, Z, da, 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 da. You make a list. And even though I have verification and I've given my side of it, Almost every single one of these credit bureaus, and again, there's three of them, they side with the debt collector. And then they side, I guess, with the creditor. It's like, this is unbelievable. So there is a racket going on with that. So I'm not a big fan of credit scores. And I'm not a fan of the credit bureaus because they're, they're jerks. I mean, they hardly ever believe consumers. And I have no doubt that if someone works from one of them or they see this podcast or they hear it, they're going to say, oh, actually, we do a lot to save Americans millions, if not billions of dollars. Really? Um, how much goes into your pocket? That's what I want to ask. Because these three companies, those three credit bureaus, they are shady. They are, they are just as shady as the Better Business Bureau. And you know what I learned about them? This is just a side note. Um, the Better Business Bureau, just because someone has an excellent rating with the BBB, um, is because they paid for that rating. Basically, if you are a business owner, all you have to do is like, it's kind of like you pay a membership or a subscription, or you just keep feeding them really good information about your company, but those Better Business Bureau ratings are not from customers, they're from clients predominantly. 
And then when people do try and speak up about a bad company, you better business bureau doesn't like people to know what these companies did. So it's just unbelievably shady. I'm just like, oh, this is not the American way. And there might be some that go, oh, Leslie, it is the American way. You just don't understand. It's like, actually, I do. I am a Republican capitalist. And here's the thing. If we actually were just completely and 100% capitalist, the consumer would have more rights because it's the consumer that says yes or no to a product. It's the consumer that verifies, you know, information like this. It's not these bureaus. It's not these agencies. It's just like, I get so sick of the lies. And so I didn't know that there are all these lies and these uh, different forms of deception on my, on my credit report. But what sucks is that, you know, even if there was something legit on there, th this employer was not willing to hire me, did not think I was worthy to make good money, so that way I could at least pay off those debts. See, that's one of the big problems with these credit score things that I cannot stand. I do not think employers should be allowed to run your credit score. And I know that's going to ruffle some feathers, but I don't care because I know I'm right. And let me get a drink of water. Hold on just a second. So anyway, um, my... Well, here's been my experience, and I'm trying to be nice about it. Um, I think it's very cruel and evil to not hire someone just because they have a bad credit score. And so now the only people that get high-paying jobs are those who have great credit. And it's like then these elitists, I call them elitists, and elitists are everywhere. They're not just in universities anymore. They are everywhere. These elitists are in corporations. They're at universities. They're in the middle class and the, and the upper class. Um, and, you know, elitists are not in poverty. <laughs> so what sucks about these elitists, oh, and there's so many elitists in HR departments. Oh, my goodness. They just pat themselves on the back all the time. Look at me. I'm HR. I can hire. I can fire. I'm so important because I help keep things legal. Yeah, keep that under your hat, right? Um, so what's really interesting is that you have these elitists that have great credit and they get these great jobs, right? And then they have the nerve to complain about the middle class and especially poor people not being able to pay their bills, not paying off their debt. I'm like, huh, let's think about this. You know, if people that were poor or in the middle class actually got higher paying jobs and were actually considered employable, not because of their credit, but because of their actual skill set. Like if, if they were not shamed and blamed and judged negatively for their credit score, then they could actually make more money, provide for their families a whole lot easier, have more access to food, water, and shelter, and they could actually pay off their debt. But because people are purposely kept poor by the elitists in this country, and I do not agree with this, and I'm not a socialist, I'm not a Marxist, I'm not a fascist, this is just what I've noticed as a Republican capitalist, and that's really sad that even I've noticed it, right? So I just think it's very hypocritical for anyone who has a lot of money to criticize someone who doesn't have a lot of money and hasn't been able to find a really good job yet. Because here's the thing. I remember going out to dinner with my parents and some of their friends, and this was years ago. Mind you, these are baby boomers. Okay, not all of them irritate me, that's for sure. But... We were talking about jobs or somehow the, the unemployment rate or something came up. Baby boomers love to complain about that and um, all that stuff. Of course, why would they complain? They were tired. But anyway, so um, they were complaining about unemployment and they were complaining about the poor. 
They're complaining about welfare programs and how some of the people in welfare, or they think a lot of people in welfare don't care to get out and get a job. I'm like, I roll my eyes at this. And um, I said, well, you know, what about when they go uh, apply for a job and, you know, they do these credit checks on them? And almost every single person at the table said, oh, credit checks are really important because that tells you about their character. Because, I mean, you don't want someone to work for you who doesn't have good character. Because that really says a lot about them. And I'm like, whoa, pump the brake. See, that's the problem. There's just this false mindset and this false ideology that a credit score directly correlates to someone's character. And basically these employers are saying, oh, if someone has low credit or bad credit, they have a character flaw. And we don't want flawed people here. It's just like, wow, I think people that think that way are flawed because what it does is it keeps people poor. It actually prevents people on welfare programs from moving up in, in terms of income status. It, it prevents them from no longer receiving welfare and actually getting a really good job. So it's kind of like, okay, you know, if that middle class or upper or if that middle class or upper middle class income is good enough for you, how come it's not good enough for people that don't have very much? Here's the thing. There's so many people that think that poor people are stupid, ignorant, lazy, no good, um, bad people, they lack character, um, they're not good with money. I'm like, you know, it's it's very interesting when people false, falsely accuse you of things that are not even true. It's just like, wow, it's just shocking to me. But it's, it's a very common mindset here in Oklahoma. And also we have one of the highest incarceration rates in the United States. That's not something to be proud of. But, but there's just this false thinking that a bad credit score is equal to bad character. And that's not true. And my phone's doing something funky and I'm, I'm ignoring that. I just want to be very clear about this. And maybe the credit bureaus, you know, could enlighten us about this. You know, credit scores do not reflect a person's past, their morals, their values, or their character. And you know what else was really disturbing is that there was a, a, a job application I filled out. And this has happened a couple times over the years that I caught it, okay, that I caught it. So there was this, um, so whenever you're filling out a job application, at least the ones on paper, I am always suspicious now of employers that want people to fill out a job application the paper way because that tells me it's probably from some baby boomer that doesn't understand that things have gone digital now and that, you know, a bad credit score is not a reflection of character. See, because here's the thing, whenever I fill out um, applications that are online, they're not... Um, they don't have discrimination in them, at least not as bad. But these paper applications, they are loaded with different forms of discrimination. Here's one of them. Let me get a drink of water. Hold on just a second. So here's what was in some of these paper applications that was really disturbing to me. So um, so I'm applying for a job, right? Filling it all out. You know, you're giving them all this information, this employer, right? your name, date of birth, your social, your address. And sometimes employers want to know where you've lived for like the last 10 years. I'm like, do you have any idea how many times I've moved? Like, and you know, like 
I haven't even moved as much as other people. It's like, you expect me to remember all those addresses and have them on me all the time? I don't think so. That's just dumb. Because people people do move. That's just how it is in the United States. And so then that's another thing that's bad is they think that if you've had a lot of addresses um, in your past, um, they think that's bad. It's like, no, I've had to move for the job or you know, maybe I had to move for a personal reason, whatever the case may be, but I was employed. But you see, here's the thing. Even if you've had stable employment, if you've moved a lot, they think that's a reflection of bad character. Me, I actually started out in the ghetto and I was moving up. But even though I was doing that, like I was improving my life based on the paper application and the very much jaded, hateful way some of these people view applications, they thought that I was a bad person because I had all these addresses for like the last 10 years or something. And I'm like, no, like I was moving up in life, but they didn't ask me why I'd moved a lot. They just automatically assumed I am a unstable person. And it's like, no, actually, I'm very stable. I'm getting more and more financially stable as the years go by. And that's how it's supposed to be for everybody. But they don't think that way and they don't see it that way, right? So anyway, the part of this application that really shocked me um, was that, you know, they have a part, it's, it's connected to the credit check, and you need to read these forms really well. So there's a part of the application that gives them permission to check your credit, right? I don't like that, but they do it. I don't mind doing a background check like criminal and things like that, but credit, I, I think that's an invasion of privacy big time, and I'll get into that later. But anyway, so the part that really disturbed me was um, it said in this application that yes, you, you, you know, if, even if you get the job, you're giving us permission to check your credit, your credit score and your credit to run out the credit check to determine if you're eligible for promotion and if you will get a promotion or if you will continue to be employed by the company. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I was like, wow, so much discrimination. Oh my gosh. Um, where do I begin on this one? So, um, so wow. Um, so again, I've had identity theft twice that I know of. Didn't catch the person. Um, but um, And there's been so many things put on my credit uh, or my, my credit score and my credit report that are not true. It's like, you know, what if you're like me and you didn't know this was going on? Because most people don't check their credit. I check mine you know, once a year, usually around the beginning of the year. That's when I check my credit because that's when it's free. And that's typically when you see kind of like a timeline of anything new, old, current, and then you see like where the, where the, I call it the fight battle, you know, where you're seeing the battleground of where you need to fight kind of thing and, or, you know, dispute something basically. Um, but anyway, so basically like, you know, let's say for example, you know, you, you get a really good job and they've already run your credit and you, you pass that test, right? So then let's say you've worked there a while, let's say three or five years, and in this day and age, that's a while. You're not getting a gold watch in, in this era. You're just not. Um, so let's say you've worked for this company. It's a great job. Let's say you make 85 k a year, and you know, you're up for a promotion. You've done a really good job, and your performance reviews are amazing. And so now you're in line for a job to make, let's say, 110 k Let's say it's a really big promotion, and you're moving up the, you know, that, that ladder in the company, and they love you. They think you're great. But guess what happens? Let's say they run your credit report and you've got things on there that you don't know about. But yet because you've signed this agreement, 
and you sign this document. Technically, it is a legal document. It's, you know what's sad is that sometimes documents, legal documents are not legal. So just know that you can always fight them. You can always fight it. Don't ever give up. And so, unfortunately, if there's something on your credit that they don't like and they think is like a moral flaw or a character flaw, guess what? Not only could you lose the promotion, you could lose your job, your health insurance, your life insurance, your, your dental, your vision, like you, oh, your 401k, how can I forget that? You lose everything because this employer and many of them are obsessed with credit scores. They are obsessed with good moral character. You know, they are obsessed with finding the flawed people and just throwing them out, you know, just throwing them away like a piece of garbage. And I'm just like, this is one reason why, not the main reason, but this is one reason why so many people are unemployed, why they stay unemployed, and also why they stay at the same job and don't make more money. That's why they don't go up. It's because someone is quick to put the boot on their head, on their neck, and say, you don't deserve that. It's like... Who is anyone to put their boot on your neck and your career or in any area of your life? See, this is shaming and blaming. You know, I cannot stand shaming and blaming. It's unchristian. It's immoral. It's illegal. It's un-American. It violates the Constitution of the United States. And it probably also violates the Constitution of your individual state. So it's just kind of like, you know... The hypocrisy of this stuff. See, because here's the thing. If an employer actually values you, then they're not going to continue to run credit checks on you. I mean, I you know, I didn't know that some employers do that. And I just kind of think it's odd. Like, who are they to do what they want with my social security number? Because you need to remember this, folks. Your social security number belongs to you. It does not belong to your employer. It technically does not belong to the government. The government issues you a social security number when you're born or when you become a naturalized citizen or you get citizenship here in the United States, whatever your avenue of citizenship is, hopefully legal, because if it's illegal, that's immoral. Um, but sorry, my chair is being funky. Um, so it's one of those things that I don't like being discriminated against. And I didn't know that I was repeatedly being discriminated against. And I found two or three instances for, for a fact that I was being discriminated against because of my credit. I was like, oh, so this is why all these other people wouldn't hire me. And it's just like, you know, I just wish employers would tell the truth. I wish they would be honest. I wish that they would have character. <laughs> I wish they would have ethics and morals and values and stop treating people like garbage. Because I don't know what it is. I, I just feel like, you know what I so want to say to people, and sometimes I do say this to people that, you know, have better jobs than me, make more money than me, and yet they have this, sometimes I have this bizarrely hateful opinion of people that have horrible credit or that are poor. I'm like, have you never had it tough in your life? Like, were you born with a silver spoon in your mouth or a gold spoon or a platinum spoon? Like, have you never had it tough? And I've never met anyone you know, that has never had a tough situation. I'm like, okay, so you have had a tough situation. Well, yes. Okay, well, that is what is happening to a lot of people. That is what is happening right now. And so I know that it is really tough out there. And it's not always just for the employee, but sometimes it's for the employer. And you're probably thinking, well, wait a second. You're talking about employees. Here's the thing. What employers don't realize is that, and I laugh at what, 
I'm about to say, not at myself, but just the hilariousness of this. You know, just so you know, elitists are not the best employees. They are snobs, they are ungrateful, and they are greedy. Actually, the best workers are the very people that you are turning away and that you are discriminating against. So one of the reasons why your company is having a revolving door of employees is because, guess what? You're not hiring the right people, and you're sending the right people away. That's the problem. Like, you know, let me put it this way. Let's say um, there is a single mom. Let's say she's a single mom of three kids. And she's been through a lot. Her credit is horrible for whatever reason. And let's say you, you didn't hire her. You went with, you know, let's say you, you hired some guy that is married, has a family. You know, he has the cookie cutter house. He has the nuclear family. You know, one wife. <laughs> one wife. Who knows how many mistresses. A lot of these executives, a lot of them cheat. So just be aware of that. You know, if, if you're married to an executive, um, just be aware. Your husband is probably sleeping around that office with every receptionist, admin assistant, you know, because the higher paid women, they, they don't sleep around as bad as some of these other women do, especially the younger women. Um, the younger women, they, they sleep around quite a bit these days. I don't understand why. I'm just like, do you not realize you're using your body and you're allowing, you're, you're allowing somebody else that doesn't love you to use your body? And he's not leaving his wife for you, honey. He's not leaving you. He's not going to risk a divorce and losing half his income and now having, um, what's it called? Not liability. What's it called? Like, I think alimony. I had to think of the right word. <laughs> I've never been married, so I had to think of the right word. I'm just saying that these higher-up execs, these men, you need to watch the show Mad Men to understand how some of these executives operate. They're, they are elitist. They typically have a mistress, possibly a stripper that they know and like to get favors from. So they have their way of living. So don't think that they're just great because they make a lot of money. Um, but let me put it this way. So let's say the employer did not hire the single mom of three kids, even though she's very talented, has the skills and everything, but her credit score was bad. Her credit report was bad. And, oh, she's got three kids and she's not married. Oh, she's got... She must have, you know, she must be sexually promiscuous because she's single and has three kids. Whatever, right? So, so the employer goes with the guy that has the cookie cutter house, um, the, um, the nuclear family, which is a joke, you know, the, the wife, the two kids, who knows how many they aborted because they only wanted two. It's such a lie and a joke. And oh, they're Christian, quote unquote Christian, shop at Hobby Lobby and Walmart and Costco because they're perfect. And then, um, I don't mean the stores, I mean, I mean the family. And so then the employer notices that this guy's work is not really all that great. And he's kind of a snob, he's arrogant, and um, he doesn't always do what's right. And he's not appreciative of the work um, that he has. Here's the thing, that single mother with three kids would have done a way better job and it would, it would have been a way better employee because... She hasn't always had it all. She's had to fight for what she has, and she gets discriminated against all the time. And she's not an elitist, but that guy is. See, for some stupid reason, employers think that married people are just flawless, and they make the best employees. <laughs> wrong, wrong. Um, I can speak from experience on this. Most of the weird people I've worked with and you know, some of the people that were very disturbing, they were married. 
They were married. Some of the worst employees I've ever met were married. You know, the most normal people were single. Why? Because they were not elitist. They weren't like, oh, I'm married. I can kind of do what I want. I've got the family. Now, now I'm going to make the money. <laughs> Who are these people? Yeah, that attitude? Seriously. So, you know, a credit report doesn't tell you everything about the person, but a credit report does not determine a person's character. Not by any means. And I can't tell you how many times I've been hit on by married men. And I'm just like, wow, um, if only your wife knew, and then if she did know, uh, would she even care? Because you know what's really shocking to me is when married women don't care that, that their husbands cheat. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, who is she cheating with? You know what I mean? Like, if I was married and my husband was cheating, oh my gosh, I mean, it would be frying pan time, first of all. And I don't mean cooking chicken. And also, um, I would divorce him. Like, that that's a no-brainer. I'm sorry, there, I, mean, I can forgive someone, but I'm like, you know, you broke a covenant. Like, you, you broke a sacred sacrament of marriage. I don't ever take someone back like that. Plus, that's just gross. Like, why would you sleep with someone that... It's been doing it with somebody else, like gross. I mean, talk about herpes, HPV, gonorrhea, chlamydia. I mean, just you name it. Don't want it kind of thing. Let me get a drink of water. But anyway, um, you know, just because some guy dresses really nice, has a suit and a tie, and is married, has the, has the family portraits in his office, here has been um, what I've noticed over the years. The more pictures someone has in their office, the more fake they are. I've noticed that. Because it's like they're trying to fool people that they're normal and they're the family guy or the family wife or the family woman or whatever. Like those people are weird because, you know, why would you want to bring pictures of your family to work? Like, have you forgotten what they look like? Like, do you need to see them throughout the day so that way you remember, oh, I need to keep my pants on? Is that why? I mean, it's really weird to me, but that's just what I've noticed. So we talked about credit scores and how they can't stand them. Talk about credit bureaus, also can't stand them. Uh, hopefully they can get better. We talk about employment credit checks. It's just ridiculous. And again, I don't mind employers checking like criminal background, things like that, and like driving records. Like, for example, if you are going to be driving for the company and things of that nature. Um, but this other stuff, ridiculous, folks. I mean, it's just an invasion of privacy. And plus, I mean, that stuff, it's not always real. And I'm a perfect example of like of what that happened to. Like, it happened to me. Like, Stuff was put on there that I did not know about, and it wasn't true. And the stuff that was true, that's another thing. Um, so I'll mention this. So there were times I would have debt, and it's like I'm trying to pay it off. But the original creditor would not give me the opportunity to pay it. So then that debt stayed on my credit report for like seven years, if not longer. Well, here's the thing. When you dispute something, it's supposed to fall off. Well, here's the thing. When you dispute something... They have to investigate, like these stupid three credit bureaus. Of course, investigate. I use I use that word vaguely and loosely there because it's they don't do their job. I know they don't because they've totally screwed me over and they they they, they pick favorites. They love money just like these crooks, right? So what sucks is that whenever people like me try and pay off their debt, I only go straight to the creditor. Like I go straight to the person or the business that I owe money to. Well, what sucks is that whenever these places of business Whenever they close out their books for that debt or something or they sell it off, for some reason, they're not giving Americans 
um, the opportunity to pay off their debt. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? Oh, we'll just pay the debt collector. I don't think so because they don't always report it to the credit bureau. And here's the thing. You're not always paying that debt. You're paying the fees of the credit collection company. And I don't want to pay those fees. Not my problem. Not my problem at all. And then don't fall for the whole, oh, let's negotiate thing. Do not do that because, you know, there have been some situations I've come across where it's like, oh, we want to negotiate, you know, let's say you owe $10,000. And let's say the debt collector says, hey, why don't you just pay us $2,000 today and we'll just scrape off the $8,000. Here's the thing. That will come back to bite you in the posterior when you're filing your taxes. And here's why. I don't agree with this. But there have been questions, and who knows how long they've been on there. I don't know. Because I'm not a I'm not a CPA. I've worked as a staff accountant for 14 years, but I don't know when this question um, got added to like the online um, uh, submitting of your taxes. When it would ask you, okay, you know, did you pay off any debt this year? And if you say yes, they ask you, was it the full amount or was it like a, a reduced amount? Well, here's the thing. Because you took, or, or you, you didn't take anything, they're taking from you. Um, because you paid the 2000 and you didn't pay the full debt, it reflects negatively on your taxes and on you. And it's just like not good. I don't know if someone gets some of your, your tax return. I don't know that. But that really concerned me when I saw that because those questions used to not be asked. Because I've used H&R Block, I've used another one to file my taxes, and those questions were not always on there. And I thought it was very shady because it's like you can't ever get away from your debt. And see, here's what sucks. Oh, sorry, excuse me, here's what sucks. Is that you know you paid the two thousand with the promise that the eight thousand is taken care of. Well, what it looks like to me from what I've seen is it looks like even though you made those arrangements and that deal with the debt collector, you still owe the eight thousand. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the IRS or if somebody gets a hold of your tax return and then goes ahead and sends those tax dollars to your creditor. That's where I would get concerned because I don't agree with that. Because if you make it, if you make a negotiation over here, you have a new contract. That new contract supersedes the debt. Okay. So if, if the debt collector says you only owe two thousand on a ten thousand dollar debt, which I don't agree with that. I think that if you owe money, you owe money. You should pay it, you should do the right thing. But you know, for the sake of this um, example. Your new legal contract is, okay, we're wiping the slate clean if you pay this amount. Don't ever fall for it because there's something shady going on with, with debt collectors on that. And so you need to be careful um, who you give access to to your monies. Because another thing I find very odd about that is that when you do pay that debt, you know, is someone now going to store your credit card or your debit card or your banking information in their server? And then they might continue to take money out of your account or charge you for that whole debt. That kind of stuff bothers me because more and more businesses, they are storing our financial data. And I don't like that. They're not supposed to do that, especially not without your permission. So here's another thing. If you want to pay a bill, you have every right to say, I don't want you storing my financial data. And if they say, oh, well, that's just how we do it, say, no, not for me. I want to pay this, but it's going to be on how I want to pay it. And you, know, you have every right to do that. There's so many places of businesses, or so many places of business that they are, they're forcing people to kind of give over their credit card number, and it's stored in these databases and these servers. It's like cloud-based technology, which I don't like. 
You know, let me put it this way, any kind of data that you can easily access, someone else can easily access. So that's why I don't like cloud-based um, technology or programs because they are easily hackable. Not good. Um, so let me get another drink of water. Hold on just a moment. So now, what's a little tart? Goodness, that lemon. Okay. Now I'm going to talk about or uh, close out this episode uh, with the different types of discrimination that I have experienced over the years. So I'm 39 years old. And um, over the years, I have, I have experienced the following different types of discrimination. I've been discriminated against because I'm white, female, single, not married, and because I got sick and had to go into the hospital a couple times. So here's how I've been discriminated against in those different areas that you should never be discriminated against. Discrimination is just hell. I hate it. It's horrible. It's from the pit of hell. We need to do a better job of being kind to people. Um, so and I'm talking about in terms of employment. So um, I've noticed that I've been, a, I've been discriminated against in those different ways when applying for jobs. So the first one was for being white. So what I can't stand about um, employment applications and some of the government applications or the, the government, um, the, the, the employment uh, forms that you have to fill out for your employer to show, hey, this is a new employee, here's their demographics, blah, 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 kind of thing. You know, the color white is listed on there, but it's like everybody else has their ethnicity. So here's what I do now. I've been doing this for a while. I am not white. I am actually a mixed race. I am actually a mix of French, is it French, Algerian, Egyptian, Irish, and then a Londoner. So I'm a mixed race. I'm not white. I'm a mixed race. I'm a mix of two or three more races. So if you do not want to be discriminated against for having fair colored skin, then you need to do what I've been doing for a long time. And when you're filling out any type of employment application or those employment forms, especially if it's from the federal government, if you're white, that is not a race. That is not a ethnicity. You know, you know what I know? Some of those forms, it'll say white, African-American, Eskimoan, Native American. It's like, okay, so they listed these other ethnicities, but white that's not a, a, a ethnicity. That's just a color. So here's the thing. Every single white person, well, I, sh I shouldn't say it like that. The majority of white people in the United States are a mixed race. So you're not white. So just recognize that. Please recognize that. You are not white. You are a mixed race. And let me get in there a drink of water because my, I'm getting tongue-tied. feel like my, my W's, like mixed race, I almost said waste. <laughs> yeah, so be aware of that because here's the thing. If an employer these days, if they have to choose between two candidates, one is white, one is black, if the, if the employer doesn't want to be sued by the federal government, they will hire the black person. They will not hire you. So that's why you need to be aware of these things. So don't ever put that you're white. It, it's not um, it's not a good thing. Unfortunately, it's discrimination. Um, I've also, excuse me, <coughs> man, that limit is tart. I've been discriminated against for being female. So um, there are some places where I have worked or I filled out a job application, sorry, my tailbone, um, where it's like the reason why, or at least what came across to me, um, as discrimination for being female was, oh, well, men should make more because they're going to be the breadwinner. 
So then I didn't make as much as a man for the same job because of my sex. That's discrimination. Um, also, oh, I was discriminated against for uh, discriminated against because of my age. That's another thing I thought of. Um, I was discriminated against. This was back in my mid or late twenties. I applied for a really good paying job, and um, they didn't flat out say it in the interview, but they kind of skirted around it. That one of the reasons why I'm not being considered for the job is because they think that people in their forties, people in their forties and fifties, should make that kind of money, but people in their twenties should not. Like, you've got to earn the right to make that kind of money. Like, like you've got to be poor. You've got to suffer. And it's like, no, I don't. If I have the talent and I have the work ethic and I have the work experience, my age has nothing to do with the job. Nothing. It has nothing to do with it. But I was discriminated against because of that. It, it, it gets so old in at-will states. And here's the thing that sucks is that it's like you have at-will states, and then it's like you have these extreme states like California and New York that they're just like so die-hard labor union. And labor unions greatly stifle the private sector. And what I mean by that is they greatly control and manipulate the price of goods. So, you know, inflation isn't just because of the Biden, the Biden administration, excuse me, although that, that is a big factor. Um, labor unions have been ripping the private sector a new one for years because they've been trying to control and manipulate and suck it dry of its money for years because labor unions unfortunately think that their labor is more important than everybody else's and it is not. You know, equality comes from the Constitution of the United States and that means that we are equals regardless of whether we work in the private sector or the public sector or regardless of whether we work for a non-union employer or a union employer, like we are equals in terms of um, the importance of our employment, that that doesn't mean we're going to make equal pay in terms of that type of job. And I'm not talking about sex and things like that. And so um, that has come up in my other podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws with, with uh, labor unions, how they, they don't invent anything, nothing at all, but yet they try and make it seem like they control an entire industry in the private sector. And whenever a labor union tries to control, and sometimes they're very good at this, unfortunately, they take over and control an entire industry, and they just suck the money out of it, but yet they don't even care to show up to work. They, they want all these benefits and fringe benefits, and it's like, okay, if it's not appropriate for lobbyists to behave like that, how come trade unions and labor unions get away with it? And here's the thing. Trade unions and labor unions have been in the back pocket of the Democratic Party for years. So think about that. Not always good on some of those fronts. Let me get another drink of water. Hold on just a moment. Yeah, I'm thirsty. Okay. Um, oh, I've been discriminated against for being single. Um, so here's what I feel like women are more discriminated against than men. And here's why, especially in regards to these things here. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I did not get a job or I did not get as high a paying job because I'm single. Like they think that because I'm young, not married and don't have kids. Oh, I don't need that money. Like they, they, they just have this opinion. Oh, she doesn't need that money. Give it to somebody that actually has kids. Yeah, just have her do the same work, but just do less, you know, pay her less. She doesn't need the money. The job has nothing to do with procreation. The job has nothing to do with spawning kids. And don't get me wrong, I love children, especially the good ones. Bad ones, not so much. But it's just like, I cannot tell you how many times I have not been given a good job, or I did not get the pay I was promised, or I did not get a promotion because, oh, it should go to the person that's married. 
because they work harder, they have more bills to pay. It's like, okay, so here you are discriminating against someone based on marital status. That is marital status discrimination against single people. And here's, here's the other thing. You know, people are not marrying as young, like they're waiting, like they're, they're marrying later in life. So if people are waiting till later in life to marry, um, that's going to mean there's a whole lot more discrimination put upon single people, and that's not right. And you know what sucks is that if you're under the age of 55, you're not federally protected from age discrimination. And here, I think that sucks. I think everybody should be protected, you know, because of your age. Because all labor is important and all life has value. You know, what really sucks about the federal law where it, like, has extra protections for people that are age 55 and older because it, it, it was trying to deter employers from firing people that were getting close to retirement because they didn't want to pay their retirement. I mean, you know, like that wasn't going to happen anyway. Um, but here's the thing. Now people that are 55 and older, now employers can't get rid of them, especially the really bad workers. It's like, oh, now because they're federally protected, now they just act however they want. And it's horrible. It's hell. Like, I've worked with some people that are age 55 and older. Oh, my gosh. They put the young people through hell. Well, you don't know what it's like to live life. You know, you don't deserve to, you know, to make the kind of money I make if I'm qualified and I, I do the job well, yes, I do deserve that. See, there's so many people that think that age determines your pay. It does not. See, these people, they, you know, that think that way, they, 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 want the, they want the icing on the cake. Like they want all the benefits of, of making good money you know, in a capitalistic society. But then when it comes to young people, they think, oh, you don't deserve that. That's not capitalism. That's discrimination. You know, within a, within a capitalistic society, it doesn't matter how old you are. Like age 18 and older, hey, you have the legal right to work unless you have a legal permit at like age 16 or 14 to, to start working early. You can make as much money as you want. Who is anyone to tell you, no, you don't deserve to make 250 k You're too young. You'll leave it to people that have more expenses. Well, guess what? That keeps younger people poorer for a longer period of time because now they're waiting longer to get married. That's a big issue. It's discrimination. It irritates me. Let me get in a drink of water. Okay, so another reason why, um, or I shouldn't say reason why. Another bad form of discrimination that I have experienced is because I'm not married yet. So um, there have been some jobs I knew I was not going to get because I'd have a ring on my finger. So, um, cause they're not supposed to ask, they're not supposed to ask if you're married, but sometimes they do, especially here in the Bible belt, because what I don't like about the Bible belt is that, um, it's like, if you're not married by the time you're 22 or 23, uh, then you're discriminated against, especially women. It's like, oh, you're just old hag and an old maid. No, actually we're not, you know, <laughs> this isn't Hollywood. Like we shouldn't be discriminated against anybody anyway. And so what's really sad is that a lot of these Bible belts, it's like the U.S., it's what I call the USS Noah's Ark. If you're not paired up with somebody by a certain age, oh, you're a throwaway, you're a piece of garbage, there must be something wrong with you. It's like, whoa, like that's a human life there you're talking about, and that's their private life that you, that you are referring to. So pump the brake, back off, stay out of their private life. Well, what sucks about employers, especially in Bible belt states and at-will states, 
is that they, they try and very much are successful at getting involved in people's uh, private life and they want to know if you're married or not. And of course, if you're filling out an application, I don't think they should ask you your marital status. I think that's wrong. They do have to ask it for insurance purposes and things like that based on the policies that you get. Because um, some things are, you know, the policy may be through you, the, you know, the, the person has the job, but then you have a spouse and kids, that kind of thing. But, you know, there have been so many times I haven't gotten a job because I, I wasn't married and I, I didn't have a spouse. So they just thought, oh, there's something wrong with her because she's not married by a certain age. There must be something wrong with her. So, you know, whenever I was going to, um, whenever I was going to uh, interviews that I was concerned about that, I just started wearing a wedding band. I just started wearing a wedding band in these interviews to give the impression that I'm married, although I never said I was. And so, um, you know, those interviews always went better. And there were some jobs I got because it looked like I was married. So here's, here's the thing I don't like about, well, I don't like being discriminated against anyway, but what really sucks about being discriminated against for being single and not being married is that, you know, these employers, they think that married people are more stable and better workers and single people. And um, I'm just like, wow, um, married people are just as dysfunctional as single people. You know, just because people get married, that doesn't mean they're normal. That doesn't mean they don't cheat. That doesn't mean they don't lie. That doesn't mean they don't steal. I mean, there, there's just this false perception that when people get married, oh, they're, they've settled down now. They're normal. Um, they're not going to sleep around anymore. You know, they're pure because they got married and they're going to be better workers. You know, see single people that are the problem. They just go out and party and sleep around. You know, I don't have that lifestyle and I'm single. So it's kind of like, you know, and I know a lot of single people that they don't have that lifestyle. Like they, they don't behave in the way that a lot of people think that they do. And it's like, you know, I wish I lived in Hollywood. And even if I did live in Hollywood, I, I still would not have that lifestyle because I just, I just don't behave in a immoral and um, sexually unsafe manner. I, I, I just don't. But so not trying to get personal, but, you know, most of the weird people I worked with were married. I've only worked with one single person, or how do I work, how do I work this? I've only worked with a single person, I describe this. I can only recall working with one person that was single that was weird. That's the best way I can describe it. And he eventually got fired for what he did. Um, but most of the people I work with are typically married, and they cause a lot of problems. And they look down on people that are not married, especially married women looking down on, on women that are not married. Because like, oh, I'm not married yet. Hmm. Yeah, well, I've got this ring. Too bad you don't. It's that attitude. It's like, wow, you know, you can keep your skankwad husband. Hopefully he's not giving you a new rash. So, um, you know, I don't really always feel sorry for these married couples because, you know, I look at it this way. Most of the dysfunctional people I've met in my life were married. <laughs> so here's the thing. Dysfunctional people tend to marry dysfunctional people. So just because they get married, okay, and they participate in the sacrament of marriage, that doesn't mean that they're pure now and they're no longer dysfunctional and, and you know and now they're now they have a normal life and now they're better citizens because they're married, they're settled down, and now they can get the cookie cutter house and decorate with the cookie cutter things from Hobby Lobby. And I do shop at Hobby Lobby every now and then. But you know, I can't tell you how many times, um, I can't tell you how many times, excuse me, I'm talking too fast. I've walked into someone's house 
it's so cookie cutter. I feel like I've been in everybody's house because they're just doing the exact same thing. Like they have no individuality. Um, they have no um, uniqueness. They're just they're just participating in the nuclear family lie of having a life and having a marriage. And it's like, you know what? Instead of you know trying to have a nuclear family, why not have a holy family? Because marriage is from God. It's not from government. So I always find it really hypocritical whenever these really dysfunctional married people um, make it seem like they know, they know more and they should make more money because, oh, they've got more bills. And it's like, okay, well, now you're discriminated against the poor. You're discriminated against younger people. And you're discriminated against people that are single. And so what I ask these people whenever I catch them at it, whether it's in an interview or outside of an interview or if it's just friends of a friend or whatever, I'm like, do you remember when you were my age or do you remember when you were their age? I was like, would you have appreciated being treated the way you're treating them? And you'd be surprised how quick they are to give themselves permission to be jerks to other people. And but yet they don't think they're being a jerk. They think that they are um, super smart, super brilliant, and they think they have wisdom because they've gotten older. And I'm like, you know, age is not equivalent to uh, intelligence or wisdom. I've met a whole lot of older people and old people that are stupid. Dumb as a brick. I've met some really smart people over the years, but not all of them were older. So, you know, just recognize that, you know, especially in the Bible Belt states, I don't know why they do this, but they associate success um, with age. And it's like, it's like they think that if you're younger, you shouldn't be successful, but, but then they complain when you're not making enough money to provide for yourself. It's like, well, maybe if you weren't stealing my income, if you were not discriminating against me, you know, maybe I, I would have the opportunity to actually be successful. Like if someone wasn't constantly interfering with my employment and interfering with my job, maybe things would be different. Just saying it. So um, the last thing I was going to talk about was uh, getting sick. So let me get a drink of water. Hold on just a moment. Man, I'm kind of shivering a little bit. Okay. So, um... This has happened to me, and I don't like this. Um, so there was a doctor that I had to go see, and I did not agree with their bill at all. And so I paid what I owed, and the insurance paid what they, they owed, and then um, this doctor took me to collections for something that I did not, excuse me, hiccups, that I should not have to pay. Well, I didn't know they took me to collections. Sorry, excuse me, now I'm burping and hiccuping. I drank that water too fast. So they took me to collections, and I didn't know. Well, here's what sucks about that um, with medical debt. Let me just speak to medical debt in general. I hate medical debt. It's horrible. Um, I don't think that medical debt should be allowed to be reported to the credit bureaus, and here's why. Let's say you apply for a new job, and it's a good-paying job. And here is something that employers look at, right? So they're running a credit report, and they're looking at your, your credit score and your credit report. Employers very much discriminate against people that get sick or possibly have a chronic illness, or maybe they don't want employees that have sick kids. So the way that they avoid a federal lawsuit is they don't hire people that have medical debt because they associate them with a financial health risk, and also they associate those people with using too much of their health insurance benefits. 
So even though you may have a really cushy, um, a really nice health insurance package from your employer, and it's meant to be used if you need it, when you need it, employers actually don't like it when the employee actually uses what they've paid for and what they've been promised, especially when they need it. So what I didn't know until I found out by accident, um, I didn't know that employers were discriminating against me um, because of my medical debt. And there were actually a couple of times I was in and out of the hospital. And I didn't know that some things had been reported to the credit bureau because I paid what I thought I owed. The health insurance paid what they said they owed. And what sucks is that sometimes these doctor's offices and these hospitals, they just think they can charge these astronomical prices and they think, oh yeah, you deserve to pay it. It's like, no, actually I don't. I pay what I owe and that's it. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya, obviously. So what sucks is that based on what type of medical debt it is, and if the doctor's name is there listed on your credit report because, you know, you owe the money or something, even though you really don't most of the time, that's my personal opinion, then your employer or your future employer figures out what you've been diagnosed with, if anything, or what you were sick with, and they're like, oh, we don't want that here or something. Or we don't want someone, you know, that ever gets sick. Good luck with that. Everybody has an immune system, and obviously... You know, people, even with a really good immune system, still get sick. They just do. So that really hurt because um, I got really sick a couple times, and I'm way better now. Um, I shouldn't just say it like that. I'm way better. I'm healed. So I, I'm not sick with any of that. But what really sucks is whenever those things are reported to the credit bureaus, and a lot of those amounts are not correct because... I remember this coming up several years ago. It came up in legislation. I don't know if it was federal or state, but um, there is a bill or something that I was hoping it would pass that it would make it mandatory that doctor's offices and hospitals, anything medical, whatever they are charging you, that you know the upfront cost of what the original charge is, what you're going to pay, what your insurance is going to pay, and they, they can't rerun that claim and say, oh, you owe more money, because see, here's what happens. And I'm not against doctors' offices and hospitals. I'm actually for them. It's just, I just wish they would run better. See, here's the thing. Like, what they're doing is not capitalism. That's greed. Because if you actually believe in capitalism, then you would not treat your clients or your customers like that. And you would actually encourage competition. So what this bill would do is it would make it mandatory that doctors' offices and hospitals would be upfront and honest about what the cost of care is so that way you can shop around. So that way you, the patient, are completely in charge of your health care. Well, it didn't get passed. It didn't happen. Now, however, there, however, there are some hospitals and some, doc, some doctor's offices, very few, they are listing their cost. Um, but it's very few and far between because it's like they don't want people to know what they're charging their health insurance because then they... What really sucks about this is that especially expensive procedures, especially like um, life-saving procedures, you know, these hospitals and these debt collectors and stuff, they act like we the patient that we know what all is included in the bill. We hardly ever know because we're not really given an itemized bill. We're just told $12,000. Like, good luck with that. Like, who has 12K laying around like that? I mean, just $12,000 a whack for this stuff? I don't think so. Like, that, that is just not realistic for healthcare. It just isn't. Um, but here's the thing. Like, these hospitals and these doctor's offices and these debt collectors, they act like, you know, we were told up front 
of what everything's going to cost, like the, um, the hospital room, the anesthesiologist, um, how much it's going to cost for this type of medication, you, you know, um, the, the surgeon, the procedure, like, you know, we're not given an itemized list of all this stuff. We're not. So we don't know what the individual cost is. And most of the time, people are never told the total cost. So then if we're not told what we're being charged, then we don't know what, you know, what exactly the amount's going to be for our insurance and then for us, because typically with health insurance, you have your copay and then you have your coinsurance. So like, for example, if I go to the hospital and I need like, I'm just making this up. Let's say I need my appendix removed or something. Let's say it's $10,000. I have no idea how much it costs. Don't care. No, not my problem. But let's say I go to the hospital and they don't tell me what the initial cost is. Well, then I'm not really going to know what my percentage is that I owe, it, you know, after coinsurance is filed with my health insurance, because you do have your deductible that you meet. But just because you meet your deductible, that doesn't mean that everything is covered after that, because typically, and I don't like this, but typically when you meet your deductible, then your coinsurance kicks in and you still have probably several thousand dollars more to meet before health insurance will cover everything. Excuse me, let me get a drink of water. So I just find it really frustrating that these hospitals, these doctor's offices, and these debt collectors, and these business offices, they expect the patient, they expect us to know what we were charged. Like if I don't receive an explanation of benefits from my health insurance, I literally don't have a clue. Because asking these doctor's offices and these hospitals to give you an itemized list, like how much was the fluids, you know, how much was the injection, how much was this, like just give me an itemized list. See, here's the thing. A lot of them, they don't want to give it to you because they don't want you to know what you're being charged. And it's really shady because, you know, it used to not be like that. Our original healthcare system was way better because you knew what was covered, what wasn't covered, and you knew what stuff costs. Like, I remember knowing what stuff costs. But it's like when Obamacare was passed, this is my personal opinion. It's also fact because I know what happened to me. Once Obamacare passed, it's like no one wanted you to know what they're going to charge because they always wanted to charge more to make up for the money that they're not making now because the federal government is trying to take over our health care system, which, which would be a, a tremendous mistake if our government took over our health care system. I mean, they can't even run a DMV. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, just look at how much gas, you know, how much gas costs and then look at how much vehicles cost right now. I mean, that would be the government being in charge of your health care. Basically, nobody would have great health care. Everybody would have lousy health care and it would all be very expensive. And you're thinking, well, universal health care and socialized uh, medicine would mean that it's free. Let me be very clear. It is not free. Someone has to pay it. It comes out of your taxes. You're like, oh, it just it just taxes the rich. No, it doesn't. It actually taxes the middle class tremendously. And so whenever you have socialized medicine, the rich do not get richer necessarily. The middle class get poor, and there's more people that are forced into poverty. What a surprise. So what I don't like about um, with, with employment and credit checks like this um, it, it's a way of being unrealistically, um, judgmental. I do think that employers do need to make judgment calls and make appropriate judgment calls 
about who they want to hire and who they want to fire. But I think using any of those things I just mentioned as a way to not hire somebody and to supposedly weed out the trash or whatever or weed out the weeds, you're the problem. The 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 applicant is not the problem most of the time. Um, I can't tell you how many interviews I've been in or that I've gone to where the employer was just completely inappropriate, bizarre, strange, and I'm just like, where is this going? Like, um, like there are sometimes I'd be offered a job. I'm like, really? Like they just came across as so hateful and horrible, and it wasn't an act, um, or they came across as very unethical. It's just like, wow. You know, what's so interesting is that whenever it comes to employment stuff. I'm always kind of surprised at who likes me and who doesn't like me because, you know, I you know I can go to a job interview and I can think, oh, I nailed it, it's great, I'm definitely going to get that job. Don't get it, they could care less about me. Then it's the strangest thing, like I can go to a job interview and it's horrible, it's lousy, and they're like, oh, we love you, come back, and I'm like, what? Like it, you know, I know when something doesn't go well and something doesn't feel well. I'm like. You know, what's interesting is that whenever an interview doesn't go well and they're offering offering me a job, excuse me, it's almost always a shady, it almost always ends up being shady. Because, you know, if something doesn't go well in a meeting, I'm just kind of like, why is there a change now? Like, now I'm suspicious of that. And maybe as I get older, I'm just a little more suspicious of things. And I'm not old, I'm only 39, but um, it's just kind of like, I find it odd when an interview doesn't go well and then they offer me the job. And it's like almost every single time that's happened and I've taken the job, the job has never worked out. There's always dysfunction. There's always something going on. They practice one of these forms of discrimination. And it's just like, I don't think that way. Like, I don't I don't think um, that the ways that I just discussed are appropriate ways of thinking or operating in a company or outside of a company. I think it's horrible. Um, I've also been discriminated against uh, by those things in churches. And I'm just like, wow, like even here in the Bible Belt, um, I would say the number one things I've been discriminated against in church is I, I've left a couple churches because of that. And I have since found a better church. But anyway, I've been discriminated against for being a woman. I've been discriminated against for being single. I've been discriminated against for not being married, and um, oh, I've been discriminated against for not popping out kids. I'm like, oh, so you're against having sex out of wedlock, and you don't think it's appropriate for women to have children out of wedlock, but then you're, you're telling me that I should have kids. Like, I, you know, this is so weird. Like, I remember back in the day, um, strange people, my goodness, here in Oklahoma in the Bible Belt. Um, initially, it was, oh, you're not married? What's wrong with you? And then they're like, oh, you're not engaged? What's wrong with you? Oh, you don't have a boyfriend? What's wrong with you? Are you are you just not dating? Like, it's not your business. Yes, I date, but it's not your business. Well, oh, this actually came up. Like, well, couldn't you at least have a couple kids? Like, don't you have any kids? It's like, okay, so now we've gone from, okay, why aren't you married? Why aren't you engaged? Why aren't, why aren't you at least dating? Why aren't you at least screwing around? Why don't you at least pop out a couple kids and be on, not disability, what's it called? WIC, Women, Infant, Children. I'm like, wow, so this is how our society, even in the Bible Belt in Oklahoma, is slowly lowering its standards over time and just being like, just, just still practicing discrimination, but just really bizarre. Like now people, now people discriminate against me because I don't have any children. 
and I'm not out there sleeping around. I'm like, um, what? Like, how is that way of thinking Christian? Like, how is that normal? I'm just like, wow. And a lot of this discrimination comes from married people. I'm like, you know, I so very much want to get married and have a wonderful marriage and a great relationship, but it's not going to be anything like what I've seen and what I've experienced with these people. It's just like, wow. Um, you know, marriage is not a status symbol. It's a sacrament. So I think one of the problems with Bible Belt states is that they overused it and they overplayed it as a status symbol. And then now homosexuals want that same right. And it's like, you know, you've got all these Christians that are angry that homosexuals want to get married. I'm like, well, you kind of threw it in their face. Like, should homosexuals be allowed to marry? I don't think they should. I think it goes against the Bible because it does. God's law is very clear. I think it's immoral. And I think there's a problem um, with pedophiles. I think there's a problem with the LGBTQ community wanting to lower the age of consent, especially amongst homosexual men wanting to have sex with underage minors. Um, of course, if you're a minor, you are underage. Um, and I think that is a problem, and they don't want to acknowledge it. So that's why I'm another big reason why I'm not for gay marriage. But, you know, with these stupid married people, um, if you're married and you're not stupid, then this doesn't apply to you. But what a lot of these egotistical, elitist married people don't realize is that because they pulled the whole, oh, I'm better than you because I'm married. You know, they pulled the whole status symbol with being married. It, it pissed off a huge, not a huge segment, but you know, the homosexual community, they're not a big part of the, of the population. They're actually quite few. Um, it's very small, but it's like, okay, you know, married people, they, they practice discrimination against so many people. And then they wonder why uh, marriage is not protected like it used to be. Why, why it's not being valued the way it's supposed to be is between one man and one woman. And I say that because there is polygamy, unfortunately, in the United States. It's grotesque and sick. Um, it's specifically within Mormonism. And I'm just like, wow, how come they haven't addressed that issue? I mean, it, it's, it's horrible. But um, anyway, it's just like, you know, God's um, plan for mankind, if they want to have sex, they need to get married. And it's not just sex, it's lovemaking. And I'm not trying to be inappropriate, it's just a fact. Like, you know, when you love somebody and you do want to participate in that act, you know, you need to examine your intentions and your mindset. You know, like, are you wanting to do that because you love them or because you just want a free ride? You, you want friends with benefits. Well, you know, people are not insurance policies. So having friends with benefits, it doesn't benefit anyone, especially does not benefit women um, because it sets them up for failure big time. Because, um, you know, the woman takes a chance to get pregnant every single time, even if she has birth control. You know, here's the thing. When you're sexually active, you know, you are always taking a risk of getting pregnant. That's just how it is. And, you know, normal adults recognize that. So if someone's not recognizing that, then I guess they don't understand um, anatomy. They uh, don't understand the sex ed classes, which I think are pretty sick these days. They, they go into way too much detail and uh, to younger and younger people. And I'm like, they don't need to be taught how to have sex. They need to be taught chastity and purity and, and how to have a good life. Because um, there's some sexually tra transmitted diseases. Once you get it, there's no cure. I mean, unless there's like a miracle or something. But, you know, I think a lot of young people are being led down the wrong road in so many ways. And so, um, 
you know, I think it's, I think it's important for our society to get it right. And I think that the further we get away from traditional marriage, the more we get it wrong. And I think one of the reasons why we're getting it wrong is because, you know, married people have just been patting themselves on the back. Oh, I'm married. You're not. I have a normal home life. You don't. Well, you know, there's actually a lot, a lot, uh, a lot of domestic violence. I'm trying to be nice about this. There is a lot of domestic violence in marriage. There is. It's not just these ghetto women that supposedly sleep around and have all these boyfriends. Um, there are many married men that beat their wives and their children. So it's like I said, you know, I, I very rarely meet married people like a, a couple that are normal, <laughs> at least where I'm from. There's just this attitude of, um, oh, we're married. So we know more than you, we're older than you, we're wiser than you. And I'm like, is that how you talk to your kids? I'm like, well, no. I was like, then don't talk to me like that. Like, like that don't, don't go there because it is discrimination. It's really terrible. And so, um, needless to say, I think America can do a better job of being kind and respectful to other people. And that doesn't mean be a doormat or practice this, this false inclusiveness policy because I've noticed that the more people say they're inclusive, actually it's the opposite. The pickier and the meaner they are about who is in their group, who is in the meetings, who works for them. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know how I describe this. I've talked about this in my other podcasts as well, but it's one of those things that every example I've come across, especially in the workplace of over inclusive, it's a lie because it's like, you're only included if they agree with you. But the moment they don't agree with you, then you're excluded, like, and you're excommunicated, so to speak. Like, they, they just discard you like a piece of trash. And they turn on you. It's like, well, being inclusive means that you include someone regardless of whether your, your opinions um, match up and regardless of whether you agree with someone or not. So... I've noticed that within inclusivism, there is a whole lot more discrimination there than what we originally thought would happen. Um, I think a good intention was there to be inclusive, but I don't think it's being imp implemented correctly, especially if you're leaving it in the hands of HR, which I think is a huge mistake. And not every HR department is bad, but I just don't know very many that are good, especially from my experience here in an at-will state. And so... I think we need to do a better job of just practicing kindness and respect towards other people. And I think a lot of things need to not be brought to the workplace. And that includes your marital status, how many kids you've had. Um, if you're dating someone in the workplace, who cares? Like, I don't care. It's ridiculous. Like, I've noticed there's been more of a conflict of interest when married people work at the same place. As opposed to if someone's dating this person from this department and this department or whatever, you know, I think, I think married people, it's been my experience that married people practice way more nepotism and discrimination than single people. That's been my experience. I'm just like, and this is supposed to be a holy sacrament. It, it technically is, but you know, there, there, there's just a bizarre mindset I've noticed um, with married couples um, in Bible Belt states that they think they are the be all and end all and they're not. They're just two people that happen to get married and God bless them. I pray they have a wonderful marriage, you know, and all that jazz. And I pray that their children are, are happy and healthy and that they don't beat them. <laughs> you know, 
Uh, discipline them, yes, but don't beat them. And um, I just noticed that, you know, if you follow the nepotism route and the nuclear family route, um, there, there's very much a lot of discrimination. Um, there's more domestic violence. And if you follow the nuclear family route as well, um, there's just, it's just not being level-headed because it's, it's not acknowledging that, you know, yes, like, some people do marry and some do not, but even those that are married, they are still just individuals. They just happen to get married. But that doesn't mean that their work and their pay and their benefits is more important than somebody else's. And I, I just think that the Bible Belt states and Christianity in general, because I am a born-again believer, um, I think that those ways of thinking have failed our country. And, you know, we still are one nation under God. It's just that whenever, well, I'll just put it this way. Whenever you take something out of God's covenant and you, and you manipulate it, it's abnormal. So what, what really takes me aback is whenever abnormal people think they're normal, and yet they're behaving in a very dysfunctional manner and claiming that it's normal and what they're doing is important and good. And I'm like, wow, there's elitism part one, you know, it, it's not a good thing to think that way or to treat people uh, in that manner. It's just not good. So anyway, that is the end of this lovely episode. I will go ahead and upload this, excuse me, um, to our podcast and to our YouTube video and get that out there for you guys. But again, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, do let us know. We love to hear from you. And again, uh, this is Leslie Sullivan with the lovely new show, The After Show. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye-bye.